0: This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. We are in the third week of a four-week series called Blueprints for a Better Marriage. Taking some time to look at relationship inspect what God's plan for them is, and really to reflect on how can we begin to implement, build the relationships that are in our lives the way that God would want us to. And I don't know if you guys have discovered one thing that I have over the last few weeks. It's just been one glaring truth, and that's this, that relationships are hard work. Y'all notice that yet? Relationships are hard work work and i i started thinking about you know maybe maybe my relationship with my wife might have been different if we had started you know like teenagers do today where you know relationships kind of bud out of a texting conversation right and so I found this week some, some texts from actual boyfriend girlfriends that I thought were humorous, and I thought I'd share them with you. Let's read them together. Here's the first one. I have never sat, this is from Lauren, I have never sat in a Taco Bell drive-thru for a man ever. Baby, that means so much. <laughs> that, that's, that's, hang on to Lauren. I don't know who she is, but that's a good one. Right, here's, here's one, This break up with this one. Hey, it's your boyfriend. Which one? All right, break up. Next text. I'm done with you. All right, here we go. Next, next one. We just broke up. So we broke up. Let, let's not break up. Okay. All right, look, look at the time stamps on those. That's a whole day. Like That's a whole day of conversation right there. That's so awesome. This next one. Here we go. I haven't washed my hair in three days, so like maybe give me longer so I could shower hot. No, I'm coming over in 30. Enjoy my hot mess look then. No different from usual ugh, ouch, right, didn't mean to send that one, all right, next text, let's look at this one, how you feeling today, still nauseous and haven't eaten, dropping those pounds, (laughs) right, that's not a good sign right there, not a good sign for your relationship, all right, here's my favorite one, I miss you like I miss the McRib, good when you're here, Sad when you leave, but I know you'll be back soon, so I'll eat other sandwiches in between. If if a guy sends you that text message, break up with him. Please, please. Today, we are going to kind of take a few moments and inspect what the Bible says that is the importance, the priority in a relationship for a man and a woman. And, I, and I want you to understand something that our culture is trying to tell you, a different story. Men and women are not the same, okay? God loves them the same. He, he values them the same, but they were not created to be the same. In Genesis 1, we, re, we read that God created man and woman, and he created them to be man. And, and I am thankful that my wife is not a man. I'm just gonna leave it at that. Y'all fill in the blanks, right? I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for the differences that are there. I mean, think about it. Charlotte's trying to pass an ordinance where it doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman, you can walk into any bathroom. Right? I mean, we live, we live in a world that has doubt. So I thought I would tell you a story to help you understand how different men are. And women are. Let's go back several hundred years. I'm going to talk about Daniel Boone. Do you know who Daniel Boone was? Daniel Boone was an explorer. He explored throughout the the Appalachian Mountains into Tennessee, through to the uh, Mississippi River. Uh, Think about Daniel Boone. One morning, Daniel Boone wakes up, looks around the house. Not neat. I'm going to go out and go hunting. So he walks out, and he walks out looking over the the view in the Appalachian Mountains that he would be afforded because of where they were staying. He thinks, man, this is beautiful. Man, I am blessed just to see this. And he looks around and the the fields are filled with wildflowers. he's like, these flowers are pretty. They're pretty. He walks by them and he smells them and he thinks, we need to pick some of these flowers. Dry them out, turn it into potpourri and put it in our house. Because it will smell better if we do that. And he gets to his favorite hunting spot and he waits for a little while. And a little small baby deer, Bambi, comes up, right? And he looks at Bambi and he, and he thinks to himself, oh, no, I can't kill this baby deer. It's a baby. Let's give it a shot. Let's let it live. Let's see what its life could be. And the baby wanders off and a few minutes later a giant buck walks up. Big huge horns. And he gets it in his sights and he thinks, you know, I don't know that I can kill this. That's probably Bambi's dad. I don't want to wreck the household. Is that what Daniel Boone thinks? No, it's not. Daniel Boone leaves the house in the morning doesn't even notice the flowers. Walks all over the flowers. Doesn't think anything about potpourri. All right. And when he sees Bambi, he blows her head off. Because he wants to provide for his family. See, men and women are different. I I would tell you today that they were created by God to be a beautiful complement to each other. That the things that a woman leverages are different than what a man leverages. I love what Lisa Bevere says that the first problem in creation is that God found man to be lonely. Women... You were created to be the answer to a problem. I love that. All right? But you were created to be different. And out of that difference in a relationship, God has designed you in a unique way to provide something that that other person will never be able to find on their own. You see, our differences normally... Push us to an uh, to an opposite way of thinking. Uh, most men look at their wives and think, "You're so weak." I mean, just a bad day, and you come home, and you're just crumbled. I mean, you can't even handle your boss criticized you today. You can't even handle that. And all you women look at your husbands and think, "Y'all ain't nothing but a bunch of perverts," right? <laughs> Right y'all, y'all think that out of the differences that are there, we, we leverage those differences to think,, eh, you know that's how we brand them and, and, and create a weakness. But I, I, want, I want to point out today that, that the differences are there are, are created by God, and that in the differences, God has given us an opportunity to do something that's remarkable, and that's to meet a need that maybe we can only meet. I was thinking about this, and there's a great story. It's a husband and a wife, and the husband had been getting sick, and he, he, his health had been going down, and he had had a bu- bunch of blood work. and um, th- They were in the doctor's office to receive the the kind of test results, and the doctor, as as they were going through the numbers, dismissed the husband and said, "You know, I I need to talk to your wife specifically." And he after the husband had left, he, he said to the wife, we, we have a treatment plan. We feel like we can, we, we can save your husband, but here's what we need. We need you uh, to provide some, some exceptional meals for him. Whatever he wants to eat, he needs to eat a lot right now. So whatever he wants to eat, you make it. Alright? No no take out, no, none of that. You need to cook for him at home because we need to make sure he has good ingredients. We need you to cook a lot. If he even hints that he wants something, we want you to cook it and cook the best that you can possibly cook. We want you to give him lots of attention. He's stressed. So back rubs, massages, feet rubs. Alright? Help him get to sleep at night. We... We want you to every time he wants to. "Eh," We want you to make sure he gets to "Eh," that evening, right? Right. However many times he thinks he wants to, "Eh," you need to make sure he gets an opportunity, "Eh," because that's important right now. He needs a he needs a, a physical outlet. So the wife leaves, and the husband and the wife are in the car, and the. Husband says, baby, I'm, I'm worried. I'm, I'm just, I'm stressed. The, doc- the doctor didn't even speak to me. just kept you in there for a few minutes. I don't even know what's going on. What did he tell you? She looks at him. She says, baby, I got some bad news. You're going to die. In a healthy relationship, this is the first thing, and you know, it's in a healthy relationship. We realize that only God can meet our deepest needs. In our first message, we looked at that, and we need to understand. Look at, look at John. In, in the Gospel of John, um, in, in the, what chapter is it? John 4, where Jesus meets the woman at the well. She's been married five times. She's in another relationship. And Jesus says, hey, you need to understand that there, there's something that you want out of relationships that you're not getting. But if you'll drink from this well, you'll never go thirsty again, right? Relationships are, are phenomenal gifts from God, but they will never satisfy your deepest needs. Only God can do that. Number two, we need to realize that we are in a healthy relationship. We are willing because God has positioned us and has invited us to be used by God to meet the needs of other people. Let me just tell you this, in your significant relationships, God has positioned you in a place where you uniquely can provide something for that person that nobody else can. And We need to embrace that. As a matter of fact, we need to run away from the, the type of identity in a relationship that says, I'm looking for someone who can meet my needs. How many of y'all, really, if you're, like, taking applications for a relationship, when you look at, like, requirements, I need you to be able to meet my needs. Like, yeah, I'm not hiring you at all. Next candidate, right? Like, that's not inviting. It's not inviting for you, and it's not inviting for your spouse. We need to be the kind of people that, because God has positioned us, he's equipped us, and he's called us. We choose to meet the needs of the people that we care about. And number three, In a healthy relationship, we need to come to the place where what's important to the people we love is important to us. That means that we're laying down our perspective, laying down our identity, laying down what we think is important, and listening to them to find out what is important to them. And what's important to them, we choose to value. So what we're going to do today is I'm going to go through three things that are important to a man, three things that are, are important to a woman in a relationship. We're going to take these directly out of Ephesians five. All right, Ephesians five. If y'all haven't caught the the wind yet, is the blueprint. All right. So when we talk about what is the blueprint for a better marriage, we're drafting all of this out of Ephesians five. So we're going to read together out of Ephesians five, beginning in verse twenty two. Now. I find this in working with, um, with our, our families, that godly Christian women in our culture hate Ephesians 5. <laughs> they, they love Proverbs 31, right? But they, they despise Ephesians 5. And today, I'm going to show you how they connect to each other. Because God is not saying one thing in one place, and then changing his mind and saying something different. They're deeply connected. So let's begin in verse 22. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands and everything. We're going to jump forward to verse 33, which is where Paul wraps all of this up. However, each one of you must love his wife, speaking to husbands, as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. That brings us to the greatest thing, the most important thing for a man in a relationship is honor, is honor. Very clearly in Ephesians 5.33, the Bible says that as a wife, You are to respect your husband. And the thing is, is that through that whole passage, we see a direct connection between the way that we relate to our spouse and the way that we relate to Jesus. Think about this with me. The Bible says that as a wife, you are to submit to your husband as to the Lord. If you've ever wondered and thought about this question, I don't know how to treat my husband, let me answer it for you because the Bible already gives that answer. Treat your husband like Jesus. Would you talk about your husband that way if you were talking about Jesus? Would you serve Jesus that way? Would you think about Jesus that way? Would you respect and honor Jesus that way? The Bible is quite clear to that. that is how we need to treat our husbands. So I'd like to walk you through a few scenarios, just a few statements very quickly as to how we need to honor our husbands. The first one, this is so important. We need to allow him to fail without fear. Your relationship with your husband needs to be the safest place for him on the face of the planet. He needs to know that when he fails in front of you, you're not going to punish him. You're not going to berate him. You're not going to go out in public and talk negatively about him. He needs to learn and, and be given the permission to, to fail. With it. And you know why? Let me just tell you why you can do that. Because Jesus has given you that. He's given you the the ability to live in a relationship with him where your failure does not correlate to direct punishment. He he covers your failure with grace. And honoring him means that you let him fail without fear. Be. You honor him where you want him to be not where he is. Honor him where you want him to be, not where he is. You see, honor kind of works like the cork in the bucket principle. If you put no water in the bucket and you put a cork in the bucket, um, the, the cork goes all the way to the bottom, but the more water you begin to supply to the bucket, the cork begins to rise on top of it. You see, that's what happens to a man's character when he is honored in his relationships. Your husband's character will elevate itself to the level of honor that you provide for him in the home. Think about Proverbs 21. Proverbs 31, 23. Proverbs 31:23 says that of the noble wife her husband's character is known throughout the city. How is her husband's character known throughout the city? Because she has made it known. She's honored him in his absence without taking his failures, making them public. As a matter of fact, that would lead to number three. How do you honor? You cover his faults and you reflect his strengths. When I was thinking about my wife in the way that she has honored me as a husband. You see, a marriage is designed to be the most intimate relationship we'll ever experience on earth. You will understand in time the deepest, darkest secrets of your spouse. You'll see them at their worst. You'll know if they pick their nose, when they pick their nose, and what they do with the boogers after they pick their nose. All right? You'll know. You'll know this. And the beauty of a wife that honors is that she looks at the Failures and faults of her husband and says, "I will cover them, and nobody. nobody will know. And my wife has seen me at my worst in ways that you guys would never even expect me to be. And she has chosen not to talk about it, not to gossip about it, but to cover it and to reflect my strengths. To honor me publicly. And because of her, because of that honor, my character and my desire to be that person has elevated the longer that we've been together. You see, when you take something that's happened that's a failure at home and you go to work or you go to your friends and you start to share it with your friends, you think this is never going to get back to him. But it will. And when it does, he'll know where it came from. And it will erode the level of strength that he feels at home. It'll take away his security that he feels at home. He'll feel like if I fail, everyone's going to know about it. And that's a bad place to be. So honor your husband's. The second thing is that we need to realize that men want pleasure. Now, I'm not talking about just having some hmm. I'm not talking about that, right? It's bigger than just mm, right? It's broader than that. See, think about it. When a guy has a four-year-old and he goes and buys him a big, blown-up, souped-up go-kart, it's not for the four-year-old. It's for him because he wants to ride around on that thing, Right? When, you're, when your son's 10 or 11 and you go buy these dual big blown out dirt bikes, it's not for your son. It's for you because you want to have fun. There's nothing wrong with that. That's how men were created. Think about Daniel Boone, all right? What made Daniel Boone go back home after he blew Bambi's head off? Is because there was something waiting for him at home that the wilderness could not provide. Men need pleasure. I I want you to understand that we live in a culture that has made it okay for wives to deny their husbands pleasure. That is not okay. Not not okay in any of that. Okay, even... If we just focus on on the desire to have sex, okay, the Bible is very clear. The Apostle Paul's writings say that as a man and a woman, you should never do that unless you both have agreed on it and you set a short amount of time to do that. But we live in a culture that wants to use that as a weapon, and it's not a weapon. It kills, because here's what's going to happen. If your husband doesn't get pleasure at home, he will find it somewhere else. Let me give you the typical trajectory of how this goes. It's typically a husband who starts to lose pleasure at home will start to look for it in sports. They will go to uh, traveling softball teams, start playing golf, start becoming obsessive fans of certain sports teams. They're going to quickly find out that that does not work. And so they'll move from sports to success. And success means that they're going to take time and devote it instead of to their family where they don't get pleasure, they're going to devote their time and energy and efforts to their job where they can be successful. And what inevitably ends up happening is that because they're not being provided pleasure at home, someone at their job, someone they connect to outside of the home will offer them that, and that will lead to sex. It it is a dangerous thing to do because it's such a powerful thing when you choose to provide that. See, when you provide a home for a man where he has pleasure at home, right? When he gets off work, he's like, I am ready to get my butt home here. I'm not stopping at a grocery store. I'm not filling up with gas. None of that. I'm coming straight home because there's something there that isn't here. And wives, I want you to hear me, that God has positioned you uniquely in the spot, in the life of your husband to provide the greatest pleasure that he can ever receive. I don't care where you are, what period of life in, but you have to choose to make the effort to do that. That means when you go out on a date with him, take time to get ready like you were dating, right? Sweatpants and your hair pulled up in a ponytail, not good enough, all right? Allow him to find pleasure in you physically because we need to provide that. Moving on. Number three. A peaceful, organized home. Proverbs 31, again, a peaceful, organized home. Proverbs 31, 27 says that the wife sets her affections, her attention on her home. She is busy taking care of the affairs of the home. And she doesn't give herself to being lazy. All right? Now, this does not say a spotless, clean home. Okay, because I want you to understand a need that is represented in the hearts of men. Men go out into the world every day seeking to take what is chaotic and bring order to it. Okay, that's whatever business, whatever job, that's the the way that men think about their jobs. All right? I'm going to bring order in a place that there's chaos, and at the end of the day, there's a little bit more order and a little less chaos, but it is thoroughly difficult to come back to a home that is nothing but chaos. So one of the greatest gifts that you can give your husband is to have a homeward orientation. That's what Proverbs 31 is speaking of, that the heart of a wife is bent towards her home. The heart of a man is bent towards kind of exploring and taking uh, care of the world. We're going to talk about how that affects them in just a moment. All right. Y'all ready? Moving on. What's important to a woman? What's important to a woman? We jump forward in Ephesians to Ephesians 25. I'm going to read through 29. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain, wrinkle, or other blemishes, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated his own body, but feeds it and cares for it just as Christ does the church. The first Thing, the most important thing that a husband can provide for that is very important for a woman in a relationship is security. I want you to understand that as a husband, you are a living representative of Jesus in your family. The, the Bible says that you are to love your wife like Christ loved the church you are a living testimony of Jesus and has Jesus ever threatened to walk out on us because we got it wrong in a moment no he hasn't I mean one of the greatest gifts that we can give our wives is to take divorce off the table it's not even something I'm going to threaten or think about it's not even an option We can live in the security that even if there's tension, that's never gonna be where we go. Because that's not where Jesus goes with us. You see, there's a direct link between the stability that's present in a in a relationship as a as a husband between you and your wife and in the level of emotional stability that your wife has in that relationship. If you don't provide that stability, it's really, really tough for your wife to be emotionally stable in that relationship. You may be asking, well, what does it mean? What does it mean to provide security? Let me give you two words that you need to know. You need to provide and protect. Provide and protect. Think about it. That's exactly what God has done for you. God, through Jesus, provided a way for you to become right with himself when you couldn't do that. And he has protected you, protected you, protected you. And the heart of a man in providing security is to provide and to protect. I want you to read Hebrews 13 with me. Hebrews 13 gives us a wonderful statement about our relationship with God. But I want you to think about it in the context of providing security for Your wife, listen, be content with what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. See, when we stand in a relationship as a husband and we say, I'll never leave you. I'll never walk away. I'm never going to turn my back on you. Watch fear run away. I mean, watch fear vanish. Watch security increase in the heart of your wife because you're saying, no matter what, I'm here for you. The second thing that women need that's important to a woman is communication. Communication. Now, that's just one of those things that's just most people get that. Right, women say on average every day three times the amount of words that the average man does. All right. Women do not want headlines. Men speak in headlines. Women want the full story. When a guy comes in at the end of the day and his wife says, How you doing? Most guys just want to go, I'm good. And that's good for a guy. A guy's happy with that statement. When a guy asks his buddies, How you doing? I'm good. That's what a guy wants. But his wife doesn't want that. Your wife doesn't want the headline. She wants the whole story. Your wife wants you to say something like this. Well, you know, baby, my eyes first opened this morning at 6.35 a.m. When the alarm clock went, and I was struggling today. I didn't really want to get up, so I hit the snooze button. And I, I woke up seven minutes later when the alarm went off again and I got out of bed at that moment and uh, and when I got out of bed I started thinking about my day and I felt a little overwhelmed. I'm going to be honest. I felt a little afraid. I had a lot of feelings at that moment. See that word feelings gets you a lot of points when you're talking to your wife. Right? They don't just want the headlines. I want you to understand something women. You're You communicate in in, in a heart-to-heart kind of communication. Men communicate in a head-to-head kind of communication. And that difference inside the context of marriage is vitally important because I want you to understand what you do in your husband's heart is you connect those two things. See, a husband and wife will have this conversation. Baby, I know your dad wasn't around a whole lot when... You were a kid. Do you remember him coming to any of your baseball games? No, I don't. I don't remember that at all. Well, did that bother you? No? What do you mean, bother me? I mean, did you look around and notice that the other kids had their dads there and yours weren't? I mean, yeah, but I didn't think about it. Don't you think that should have made you sad? And then all of a sudden, you know, that connects and the man's crying and, you know... See, God has wired that difference to connect the head and the heart inside of a man. And I promise that the more that you communicate in that way, the greater the connection is going to be. See, I want to share with you, and I think this is the sexiest question we can ask our wives. It's this. Can you tell me more? (laughs) Baby, how was your day? Well, it was a little rough. Can you tell me more? Well, my, my, my co-workers were, were arguing, can you tell me more? I promise you, that's one of the sexiest questions you can ask. And the last thing that a woman needs that is important to a woman, and I think it's extremely important, is leadership. Okay? Listen, this is the greatest complaint we get right now, greatest complaint that we get in marriage counseling that my husband is not a leader. And this is directly cl- connected to number one, the level of security that a wife feels in her relationship with her husband. See, leadership is not always having the answer. Right? Jesus always has the answer. It's not always being the person that solves the problem. See, Jesus is the one that ultimately solves the greatest problems, but here's what leadership is. Leadership is initiating a response to the problem. You see, leaders step up and take the initiative and in a good, healthy marriage, God's design for you as husbands is that you take the initiative in bringing solutions to the problems that exist in your family. This isn't in my notes, but somebody needs to hear this. In Genesis 1 and 2, we, we read about Adam. And Eve failing in sinning. Y'all listen to me. If you read that text closely, especially in the original text, you'll understand that Eve was probably standing right next to Adam when she sinned. Wasn't like she was off somewhere and Adam's way there. Adam was passive and did nothing about his wife sinning. And ultimately, who's responsible for it? He is. When you read the book of Romans, you never find Eve's name. It's we all sinned through Adam. We all failed through Adam. Sin entered the world through Adam because he was passive. And he didn't take the initiative. See, leadership in a home is taking the initiative. I'm going to give you three things that we need to take the initiative in as men. Number one, we need to take the, be the initiator with our children. Let me me just tell you something. If you're a father here, your your wife does not want to have to beg you to spend time with your kids. She doesn't want to have to beg you to come out of your man cave and come in and actually spend some time with your kids. She doesn't want to have to ask you to come in and help when things are getting chaotic. (coughs) you need to take the initiative with your children. The second one is romance. Let me give you this thought. In romance, in the context of a relationship, especially marriage, your wife wants you to be thinking about her first. When you ask her, when it's date night, baby, where you want to go tonight? She already knows. She knows what she wants to do. You'll go get a movie you want to go to. I don't know, baby. It's just whatever you want. She knows the answer to that. And the truth is, is that she's probably answered that question in the last week, if you were listening. She wants you to be the initiator in romance. And I want you to understand that if ever I sit in a a marriage counseling session and someone tells me, well, the romance is gone in our relationship. I just don't feel like I'm connecting with my wife the way that we used to. That's your fault, bud. It's your fault. Because it's your job to initiate it. Never stop dating your spouse. Chase them so hard until they finally say yes and then most of us back off and think we've won the prize. Never stop. And the third thing is spiritual matters. Spiritual matters. Wives need their husbands to take the lead, to be the initiator when it comes to church, small groups. I mean, the truth is the families that we see that really connect to small groups do so because their husbands and the dads find great connection and relationship with people that are there. I mean there there is there is a great uh, great weight of of responsibility when it comes to being the spiritual leader. I, I'm gonna drop this stat on you that Barna did a study. Uh, they study all these kind of church-related statistics a few years ago. They found that if a wife came to know Jesus for the first person in a family unit, about 80 plus percent, 82, 83% of the time, the whole family would come to know Jesus. But when the husband came to know Jesus first, 97% of the time, the whole family gave their lives to Jesus. There is a great responsibility to be the initiator in your family spiritually. Spiritually. That means praying, reading the Bible, asking questions. You need to be the leader. And some of y'all might say, well, my wife's not going to follow me. My wife's not going to follow no matter what I try to do. Let me just ask you this question. Are you going anywhere? She's not following you, but where are you going? Are you going somewhere that they can follow? If not, then you need to adjust where you're going. And some of y'all, maybe wives, you're sitting in here going, man, this is not my husband. He's not there right now. I had to give this advice to a good friend this past week. I'm going to give it to you. As a wife, be quiet and pray. See, as long as God sees you trying to manipulate that situation, trying to be the one that's in control, trying to be the one that shames and, and trying to be the one that, that encourages and, and, and pushes and yells and prods. As long as he sees you doing that, he's just going to back off. Hey, You got it under control, don't you? And you don't have it under control because it's not going to work out real well. Be quiet. Trust Jesus and pray. And you know why you can do that? Because Jesus knows what you need. Jesus knows what you need. He's known what you need. It's no surprise. See, thousands of years before you were ever even a glimmer of hope on the face of this planet, he already knew that one day you were going to fail him. One day you were not going to be the person that he was designing you to be. You weren't going to live up to his standard. And look at what God did for you. Romans 5, eight. God demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners... Christ died for us. God demonstrated his love. Let's stop resting in love that is sentiment. Let's stop being people who say, the way that I'm loved in this relationship is by what you do, and let's start demonstrating our love. Let's be just like Jesus and say, if I'm going to be a loving, faithful husband, if I'm going to be a loving, faithful wife, I'm going to demonstrate my love by meeting the needs that you have that I can meet. because that's exactly who Jesus has been for you. Let's pray. God, thank you for this moment. God, thank you for the reminder that you have met our needs. God, you have satisfied our desires. God, you have provided for us what we could not provide for ourselves. And some of us in here have been looking to our relationships, our spouses to provide things that they could never provide. But you, God, you can. And so today, God, by your grace and mercy, we look to you and we ask you to be the answer to our deepest needs. For those of us that are in here that are in the middle of of broken relationships, God, I ask you to give uh, courage, to give strength. God, that you would come and heal marriages, that you would shift perspectives from what I'm getting to what I can give because that's who you've been to us. And God, for those of us that have never experienced the love that you have for us. Let this be a moment where by your grace we do. So with nobody looking around, let me ask everybody in this room a question. Today, maybe for the first time today, you realize that God met your deepest needs before you ever even knew they existed. And all you need to do is to enter into a relationship with him, to say, God, I've got it wrong, but I want to get it right, and I want to get it right with you. If you're willing to do that today, Jesus will step into your life, become the center of your everything. He will transform your relationships. He'll transform your life. But it all starts with a decision to say, God, I was wrong. and You're right. If you're here today and you want to say that, would you? I'm not going to ask you to do anything else, but would you raise your hand right now? That's me. I've been getting this all wrong, and I want to get it right today. Who else? I've been getting it wrong, but I want to get it right. So, God, for those that are here today who say, God, we've got it got it all wrong. God, come in and heal their lives. Come and heal their relationships.